All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 75. Psalms chapter 75, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks. For that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declared. When I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of its salah. I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up your up the horn, lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red, it is full of mixture, and he poureth out of the same. But the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out, and drink them. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked also will I cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would help us now for a few moments around the word of God. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the cup that is in his hand, the cup that is in his hand. Notice verse number 8. The Bible says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. And I want us to think about that here in just a few moments. We know that Psalm 75 is a is a psalm of Asaph and that in this psalm it reveals the sovereignty of God Almighty. It shows His wondrous power and how that God is in full control of this world and that God is in full control of governments of this world. God's sovereignty is seen in His person. In verse number 1, as the psalmist said, Unto Thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto Thee do we give thanks, for that Thy name is near thy wondrous works declared. God is sovereign in his power. There is no name like his name. He said in in the Old Testament, he said, I am God and besides me there is none other. In the New Testament, the Bible talks about that Christ has a name that is above every name. And God is sovereign in his person. There is no one like him. And and we're thankful for the sovereignty of his person. He overrides and he he supersedes uh, anyone in this world and beyond. And so God is sovereign in His person. Then we see in verse number 2 and 3 that God is sovereign in His power. As the Bible said, when I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it. So God is sovereign in His power. I think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 when He began to ascend back into the heavens and He gave the great commission. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Where was that power? Where did it come from? Who gave him all power in heaven and earth? None other than God Almighty. God is sovereign in His person, but He's sovereign in His power. Verse 2 says that that when I shall receive the congregation I will judge uprightly. In other words, God's going to judge every man. He's going to judge every nation, every king, every captain and God will judge according uh, to the right way. And so God is sovereign in His person. God is sovereign in His power. And then in verse number 4 down to verse number 7, God is sovereign in His purpose. Notice what the Bible 
Bible said in verse number 4, I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. He said, for, for promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. What these verses tell us here is that God is sovereign in His, pur- in His purpose. Uh, that God is going to deal with human pride and He's going to deal with human promotion. Look what He said again in verse number 4. He said, uh, I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked lift not up the horn. In other words, <clears throat> those that are full of pride. The Bible talks about in the book of Proverbs the pride of a fool. And, uh, and it talks about foolish pride. And that's what the, the, those, that are, uh, uh, the, those that are in authority in this world, not all, but there are a lot that hold uh, offices in this world and, and world leaders around this world. They think they cannot be taken down. They think that they are the superpower, that, that they are, uh, that they are uh, beyond uh, anyone ever overcoming them or taking them down. But God said, there's coming a time. God said, don't be so foolish. God said, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, human pride, I'm going to bring it down low. And God said, those that, that have offices and those that, that stand in these positions that receive promotions, He said, it doesn't come from the east, it doesn't come from the west, and it doesn't come from the south, but He said, it comes from above. God is the judge. And He sets men up and He sets them down. You know, that's something good for us to be reminded today, that God is sovereign in His power, that God is sovereign even in His purpose, that no matter who's in charge, God's always in charge. Others may think that they're controlling things around the world, but I want to tell you, friend, they're nothing more than just puppets on strings in the hand of God. God is the one that's moving the pieces together and everything that's happening around this world, it happens with God's purpose and God's intent in mind. Now, I'm not a a Calvinist, but I believe strongly in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God rules in the affairs of man and that God's providential hand will oversee and override uh, whatever is taking place in this world. I think every man has a choice and a free will and every man must choose for himself according to what he is going to do in life and with life. But God will have His way in the end. And so we see that God is sovereign in His purpose. And then verse number 8, our text verse tonight, proves that God is sovereign in His punishment. That God is going to repay the wicked. That God is going to punish men who have turned away from Him. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. But finally in verse number 9 and 10, we see that God is sovereign in His praise. The Bible says in verse number 9, But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked also will I cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. I'm going to tell you what God's going to do. He's going to cut the horns of the wicked off, but the horns of the righteous are going to be exalted. Now, horns in the Bible represents power. It represents that that power and that authority. And God said all the kingdoms of this world and all the kings of this world that have been wicked, God said I'm going to cut their horns off. But He said the righteous are going to be exalted. And you know who the righteous are going to praise for that? We're going to praise God. We're going to magnify God. Israel is going to magnify His name. We that are saved, the church, are going to magnify His name. And Asaph says that in verse number 9, but I will declare forever I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. So God is sovereign in His praise. He was praised before this world began. He is praised while this world is in existence. And can I tell you, when this old world has burned up and when this old world has been put in the fire in eternity, God is still going to be magnified. He's still going to be uplifted. He's still going to be worshipped. When the 
devil is on the chain gang and when he's even cast in the lake of fire, God will be exalted. Down through the ages, we will sing the praises and the honor and the glory of the one who loved us and the one who died for us. Amen. God is sovereign in his praise. And here we see that even though today governments around this world, they're not what they ought to be, they're not what they should be, They'll never be able to produce world peace or world uh, prosperity or even worldwide power for for uh, uh, for that sake tonight. But we do know that when the King of glory comes, that when He comes, when He comes, He's going to take over. And this psalm is going to be evident. This psalm is going to, uh, that God is going to be sovereign and reign supreme. We know that He is and He he reigns high in the heavens. But His his reign and His sovereignty is going to be revealed from one end of this earth to the other. The sovereignty of God is going to be seen in the forefronts of this earth as men serve Him and worship Him. And as we magnify Him, His name will be glorified and the government will be upon the shoulders of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that of His kingdom there shall be no end. And thank God for His sovereignty. But when we come to verse number 8, this is what we want to preach on tonight. As we come to verse number 8, the Bible says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. And I want to preach on the cup that is in the hand. The cup that is in that hand, the hand of the Lord. And I want us to think about uh, that cup tonight and what it represents and what it means uh, uh, and what uh, what the Word of God has to say about that. I want you to think about, uh, first of all, the control of this cup. The control of this cup. You know, the Bible says here that in verse number 8, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup. In other words, uh, this hand that, uh, or this cup that we're uh, preaching about tonight, it is it being controlled by a specific hand. As we've already mentioned, we know that it is the hand of God. The Bible says that in verse number 8, that it is the hand of God proving once again the sovereignty of God. As we've seen His sovereignty throughout the psalm here in verse number 8, we see His sovereignty in His punishment as this cup is in His hand. And we're going to say more about what's inside that cup. But what I want to mention uh, right now is that this is a very distinctive, this is a very dreaded, but it's a very divine cup. This cup belongs to God and God is in full control. You know, that gives me comfort tonight to know that God is in control, that He's in control of the wicked, and He's in control of, uh, of the saved tonight. And that God, as I mentioned earlier, He is controlling uh, behind the scenes. God is working. And even what's happening around our country and our nation, God is still in control. He's still sovereign. And so we see here uh, the control of this cup, that it's in, it's in the Lord's hand. Man may think that he controls things, but God is in control of the wicked, he's in control of the world, and he's in control of these worshipers. And that same hand that holds the cup is the same hand that holds you and I. The same hand that's going to bring judgment to this world is the same hand that's going to bring uh, mercy and grace and, and hope to we that are saved tonight. And so we see the control of this cup. And then second I want you to notice not only the control of this cup, but I want you to see here the content of this cup. The Bible says in verse number 8, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. We think about the content of this cup. 
The Bible says that it's wine. And wine, uh, we know uh, here in this cup, it, the Bible said that this wine is red. And we know that and when we think about the color of this, uh, the con- content being wine, but the color of this is, is that of red. It represents the blood of men. It represents the indignation of God, the, the judgment of God. It's red with the, with the blood of men. It's red with the fury and the anger and the wrath of Almighty God. And that's the content that is is within this cup. The Bible talks about it being full of mixture. When you think about this cup is full, and you think about the, the content of it, how that it is full of mixture. That, that phrase full of mixture simply means that it has many spices uh, in it to the point that it's too harsh to drink. It's a strong drink, so strong that, that it can, uh, cannot be consumed uh, by man within himself. And so uh, this is it's full of mixture. All the fury, all all the sin, all, all the indignation uh, that has been given by uh, down through the ages uh, that has angered God. It's within this cup and God said uh, that this cup is full, that it's red, that it's full with mixture. I think about the color of this, cu- this cup, the red representing the blood of men, the indignation, how that is full, the, con- uh, the content of this cup is full of mixture means that many spices, as I mentioned before, to the point that the drink is so strong and too harsh to swallow. It talks about the judgment of God. And then I think about the content of this cup that it's moving. As the Bible said in verse number 8, for the wine is red and is full of mixture. It's moving about. Boy, this cup, I can see it in my mind's eye as it's in the hand of God. What's on the inside is the judgment, the indignation of God. The blood of men is in this cup and it's moving about, meaning that it's stirring, that it's getting ready, that there's activity that is going on and, and this cup is, is moving. I want to tell you something, God's judgment is swiftly coming upon this land, upon this world and men are going to face judgment during the tribulation period like they've never seen. That The seals, uh, we think about the seven seals and we think about the seven trumpets and the seven vials that are going to be poured out upon this earth and those seven seals uh, uh, teaches us uh, uh, much about the judgment of God and teaches us about how that this world is going to be ruined by man and then uh, those seven trumpets teaches us that this world is going to be ruled by Satan but then those seven vials teaches us that this world is going to be rescued by God as in the end God His judgment is going to rescue Israel it's going to redeem Israel and thank God it's going to judge men like they have never seen before. And so this cup, the content of it is that it is wine that is red, that is full of mixture that's moving about. You know, the judgment of God is nothing to take lightly. God's judgment in verse number 8 is severe. God's judgment in verse number 8 is is soon. And God's judgment in verse number 8 is sure. Sinner, I want to take the moment just to say this. If you're lost without God, if you're listening and you don't know Jesus Christ in the full part, in the free pardon of sin, then I want to say to you uh, tonight that you need to get saved. You don't want to face the judgment of God. Sinners are going to face it either during the tri- through the tribulation period or they're going to face it at the great white throne judgment in the lake of fire. And perhaps if you get left behind, then you'll face it in both. 
But I want to say, uh, if you're here tonight and you're lost and you're listening, you need to get right with God. Because the Bible said in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it's appointed man once to die and after this the judgment. You don't want to face God's judgment seat unprepared. You need to prepare to meet thy God tonight. The content of this cup. We think about uh, the content and the control of this cup. But then I want you to think about uh, the curse of this cup. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 8. It talks about the dregs there. Thereof, that he poureth out the same, the dregs thereof. This cup takes us beyond. It takes us to Calvary. And it also takes us to Armageddon. What are the dregs that's within this cup? Well, when I think about this cup, I have to think about Gethsemane and Golgotha. Jesus in Gethsemane's garden prayed till his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not thy will, but, or my will, but thy will be done. And Jesus drank that bitter cup that we read about in Gethsemane. And at Golgotha, uh, he bore the dregs of sin, my sin and your sin. Jesus drank that cup and he drank every drop of that cup. He bore all of our sins at Calvary. And he bore the, the sin of all of humanity. And tonight... We that are saved, if we'll accept the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's someone lost, if you'll accept Christ as your Savior, and we that are saved know that, that because we've accepted Christ as our Savior, thank God we don't have to drink of that bitter cup, that Christ drank that cup. He bore my sins. He bore your sins. Sinner, He bore your sins at Calvary. We see the, this cup where it mirrors and it reminds us of Gethsemane. It reminds us of Golgotha. But this cup represents Armageddon. This cup represents the, the wine press. And think about it in Revelation 14 and verse, uh, verse number 8. This cup is mentioned in chapter 18. It's mentioned in verse number 3. And this cup, every time that it's mentioned, it's in connection with the filthiness of Babylon. And it talks about that final apostasy of men when they blaspheme and they turn against God. And my friend, this cup, the dregs of, uh, that's within this cup uh, is the dregs of God's judgment. And the Bible says, notice in verse number 8, that it's poured out of the same, but the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the, of the earth, as shall wring them out and drink them. When you think about the curse of this cup, it's the, it's the curse of God's judgment on this earth. And though it may look like man is getting by, and it may look like sinners are getting by, I'm here to tell you that there's coming a time, and there's coming a day, when they, if they don't get saved, and if they don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their, as their Savior... They'll drink the bitter cup of God's judgment. They'll face the fire and the fury and the wrath and the anger. I'm talking about a cup that the Bible says the wine is red and it's and it's and the mixture is full. And listen, every bit of God's indignation has been in, is in this cup and will one day be poured out upon this earth. How about you? Do you know Christ? Are you saved? The curse of this cup. I'm glad I'll never have to drink the curse of God's judgment. I'm glad that I'll never have to, to face that curse. I'll never have to be put under that. Thank God. I'm glad that Jesus Christ took my sins away at Calvary. He took your sins away at Calvary. I'm glad. Hallelujah. I know what it is to be washed in the blood, saved by the grace of God. And if you're saved this afternoon and you know Him and the free pardon of sin, you ought to thank God that, that He took your sin, your shame, and your sorrow, and He bore it at Calvary. And He drank the bitter cup of Gethsemane and Golgotha so that you and I will never have to face 
the fiery uh, cup of Armageddon, the fiery cup of judgment at the great white throne. Thank God we'll escape the damnation and we'll escape the, uh, we'll escape the fire of the pit. I'm glad to be saved by the grace of God and know Him. What a privilege, what an opportunity uh, to know that in eternity you'll never have to face the judgment of God. Now I know for us that are saved there's that judgment seat of Christ, but in this cup we're talking about, we're talking about God's indignation and God's judgment upon the lost here. We see the curse of this cup and we see the the control of, of this cup here and we see the content of this cup. But what about the consumption of this cup? What about the consumption? Notice the Bible said in verse number 8 that all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. You think about the consumption of this cup, the dregs that that is that is given here. It means that 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 they're going to they're going the wicked are going to have to drink every drop of this cup. That God is going to pour it out. The Bible says the same on all the wicked. Meaning that they'll all drink every drop of this cup. That there'll be no escape. Even though it's full of mixture. And even though that this cup is too harsh to drink. It's too strong of a drink. God is going to make the wicked drink every drop. I want to tell you those that die without God. And those that face the judgment of God. Here upon this earth and in eternity. Listen you will feel and you will face every a drop of God's judgment. God is extending a hand of mercy. He's extending a hand of love and compassion. And He'll save you now. And thank God you can escape all of that. But if you reject it, if you refuse, if you go your own way and say, I'm going to live my own life, one day you're going to face God's judgment. One day you're going to face God's fire. And friend, you'll experience and you'll feel every drop of God's pain and God's agony and God's indignation that He has for the lost. You might be listening and say, but preacher, I thought God was a God of mercy and grace, and He is. But if you spurn the invitation... If you walk away, if you, if you turn him away, there's no promise of, of any hope. There's no promise of, uh, of forgiveness. And, and if, my friend, your hope is in this life. And if you don't accept Christ in this life, there's no hope in the next life. You see, God will be your, your, he'll be your guide. Christ will be your friend. He'll be your Savior. He'll be your Lord in this life. But if you reject him, he'll be your judge in the next life. I want to say that the wicked... We'll drink the dregs of this cup and, and they'll face, they'll consume every drop of God's indignation. Many times we, we, we look at people's lives and we see them living wickedly down here and we wonder, why does God, and I preached about it last week in, in Psalms chapter 74 or Psalm 73 a couple of weeks ago. Why does God let them just continue on? Because there is a cup and it's in the Lord's hand. And at that divine appointment, God is going to pour that cup out the same, the Bible says. You know, during the tribulation time, it's not going to matter if a man is a king or a captain or if he's a pauper or a beggar. They're going to experience the same judgment during that time. And, and the Bible talks about it in Revelation 19. The Bible talks about the wine press how that He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God as it's poured out two great suppers in Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb, but there's the supper of the great God, uh, the kings, the flesh of kings and captains as that angel stands in the sun 
and invites the fowls of the air to come together and eat the flesh of mighty men. Even the Word of God talks about and kings and captains and how that God is going to pour out His fiery judgment and, and the, the blood is going to flow to the horse's bridle and run through the streets of, of the city and down through that valley Jehoshaphat. What a terrible time that's going to be when God's cu- cup is poured out. The cup is in His hand. God is in control. The consumption of this cup, all the wicked of the earth shall drink that. I don't want to be a part of that. And thank God by His grace, I don't, I'm not going to be a part of that. How about you today? When we think about this psalm here as Asaph looks back, he sees the sovereignty of God. He sees how that God is in complete and total control. And Asaph, he, God's praise is presented in verse number 1. And God's providence uh, is pronounced in verse number 2 and 3. His punishment is prescribed as we see, but His purpose is proclaimed. The end result is, is that the wicked are destroyed and that the righteous are exalted. You know, it pays to serve God and live for Him. We live in a world sometimes that it doesn't look that way. But one of these days, we're going to see that it pays to serve God. I, I challenge you tonight, I challenge you to take this psalm and rest in the fact that God is sovereign, that He's in control, and that nothing, nothing passes through His hands that what He don't allow. I challenge you to, to, to look at this psalm and rest in the fact that if God is in control of, of the heathen, then God is in control of my life and yours. And then I challenge you, if you're lost tonight, friend, you don't want to face the, the fiery judgment of God. Get born again. Accept Christ as your personal Savior. Trust Him today and you'll not be sorry. Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for the Word of God. I pray that you'll use this to help someone. I pray that you'll, uh, Lord, help us all to be reminded uh, that the cup is in your hand, your fiery cup of judgment and indignation. I pray there's someone lost, oh God. I ask that they would, right now, that they would take someone by the hand and say, I need to be saved. Let them get born again. I pray, Lord, for... Lord, those of us that, that may know someone that's lost, help us to have a burden for sinners. And may we be conscious of their need. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.